Act Four of Alias Miss Sherlock by Arthur Lewis Tubbs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four, Scene, the same as Act Two, about three weeks later. Discover Aaron Flint standing up by left upper entrance with cheap suitcase in one hand a rolled-up umbrella in the other, his hat on, pushed back. Lillianne is partway down centre. She wears hat, coat, etc., has handbag, and a good-sized package of brown paper, well tied with string. They are both looking at Henson, who is posed in left upper entrance in his most pompous attitude. Well, I guess you can tell Miss Newcomb we're here, can't you? Should think you might do that much to oblige. She's staying here, ain't she? Henson gives a stiff bow in assent. Well, then, can't you go and tell her? Aaron, you keep still. And take your hat off. Where's your manners? Aaron removes his hat sheepishly, murmuring, oh. I suppose, seeing you let us in, that maybe you worked here. But if I'd made a mistake, I beg your pardon. I am the butler. Any relation to Sam Butler up in Warren County? Land, Aaron Flint, ain't you got a bit of sense? He means he's a waiter. Oh, that's it. Then maybe he's waiting for a tip. Feeling in pockets, Henson shows offended dignity. That's the way they all be down this way. Won't budge an inch unless you tip them. If you will present me with your cards... He has card tray, which he now holds out. Aaron places a coin on it. Henson pays no attention to this, though assuming an even more pompous manner. Land, we ain't got no cards. We ain't that stylish. I guess it'll be all right if you just go and tell her some friends of hers are here. What name, please? Newcomb. Sarah Newcomb. Pardon me. The names I am to announce... Oh, you mean our names. Never mind. Just tell her what I said. Some friends of hers. We want to surprise her. Henson turns and, in a most dignified manner, goes upstairs. Aaron, going to foot of stairs, looking up after him. Well, well I'll be gum-swizzled if he ain't the darndest. Thought maybe twas the king of Egypt or somebody here making him a visit. Yes, of course you had to go and show your greenness. Land, I should think you'd know what a butler is after all them storybooks you've read. It's only another name for hired man, same as you. Me? Like that? Gosh, strangle me. Seems to me you didn't know much more about it than I did, though, when it come to that. Guess if I'm green, you're a pretty good match for me. They have come part way down. Aaron has placed grip, etc., at one side. Both go about examining furniture, pictures, etc. Got it fixed up pretty swell here, ain't they? Guess this is what you'd call style. Yes, the kind of style Miss Brewster and her daughter keep up, and then come and live on Miss Newcomb all summer. I guess if the truth was known, she's putting up for some of this, too, though she never lets on. I know her. Tis pretty grand, though. Ain't nothing in Brookville like it, even at the hotel. Dang knows we'll know how to act. 
They can't scare me with their highfalutin' things and stuck-up ways. I'm as good as they are when it comes to that. And you needn't go to apologize, Aaron Flint. Hold your head up and act as if you as good as anybody. Gosh, I never could act as if I was such a big bug as that butler fella. The idea. Him? Shh, here she comes. Sarah appears at top of stairs. They see her and draw back to one side so that she does not see them as she comes down, enters and to centre. They then approach her, one on each side. Henson comes downstairs, exits right. Sarah turns, sees them, in utter bewilderment, almost unable to speak. Why, if it isn't, it can't be. But it is, Miss Newcomb. It's us. We've found you at last. Thought we never would. Talk about your needle in a woodpile. Guess we wouldn't yet, if it hadn't been for my detective instinct. But I don't understand. I can't believe it. You, Lily Ann, and Aaron, way down here in New York? And together? What does it mean? Oh, we just thought we'd take a little trip. Thought maybe you'd be glad to see us. Why, I am, of course, but it don't seem respectable. What'll folks say? Do they know about it there in Brookville? Sure, regular crowd there to see us off. Lily Ann, what does it mean? Are you crazy? I don't know, but I am, Miss Newcomb. I guess you'll think so when I tell you. The truth is, we're married. Married? You? And Aaron Flint? Good land, you don't suppose I'd be taking a trip with him to New York if I wasn't. You know me better than that, Miss Newcomb. We've been married three days, ain't it, Aaron? Seems more like three weeks or months to me. Oh, it does, does it? Much obliged. But how did it ever happen? After the way you always vowed, Lily Ann. But I declare I'm so upset I forgot to be polite. Sit down, Lily Ann, and you too, Aaron. Land sakes, Lily Ann, I suppose I ought to call you Mrs. Flint. Mercy me, don't you do it. I wouldn't know the answer. Lily Ann I was, Lily Ann I am, and Lily Ann I always will be. I guess you will be, to me, anyway. But tell me. Oh, well, Aaron, he kept pestering me till I couldn't stand it any longer. So all of a sudden I up and said yes. Had to do it to get rid of him. Made up my mind it'd be easier to handle a husband than a feller it wanted to be. Besides, the inducements was too much for me. I couldn't hold out any longer when he said we'd come to New York and see you and all the sights. I'd been saving up for a considerable spell with this here trip in view, and when I set my mind to a thing, well, I most generally get it. I must say I admire your perseverance, Aaron. I'm glad you took him, Lillianne. Only I hope it don't mean you're going to desert me. No, indeed, Miss Newcomb, not much. I calculate we'll stick closer than ever. Just run away for a little wedding tower, so to speak. Sal, Bennett, and Fidelia are looking after things at the farm. We attended to that, all right. We're just taking a week. Yes, and crowding a heap into it, you bet. Been stopping at the Astor House. Sounds real flowery, don't it? Tis, too. And expansive. Appropriate, too, for a newly married bridal couple. 
He asked her, and she said she would. Aaron Flint, don't try to be smart. Land sakes, Miss Newcomb, I have my hands full with him. Honest, I didn't know anybody could be so green. Why, Lily Ann? Well, he is. The man at the hotel told us a good show to go to would be the Hippodrome. And Aaron, he says, is that where they have trained hippopotamuses? As if they could. I guess you needn't talk. When a policeman told us that tall, slim building was the Flatiron Building, Lily Ann, she says right out, Oh, let's go in and see them make some Flatirons. I was just joking. I guess that wasn't no worse than you trying to blow out the electric light. Say, that'll do. Don't you believe her, Miss Newcomb? I guess I ain't such an old hayseed as all that. Twarn't me, at any rate, when we was up in Central Park, and they pointed out that big statue they called Cleopatra's Needle, it said, Needle? What do they call it a needle for? They ain't no eye hole in it. They begin to show signs of a real tiff. Sarah tries to pacify them. When it comes to that, I guess we ain't no green and the city folks are in the country. Remember that girl from New York that boarded with Miss Orcutt last summer? Wanted to know which cow it was that gave buttermilk? Gosh, I remember her. She just thought it was cute to pretend she didn't know nothing. Well, there's plenty of them don't have to pretend. But my goodness, Miss Newcomb, we ain't asked you how you are, and how about that boy, your nephew, and all? How's it coming out? We're hoping for the best, Lillian. I'll tell you all about it later on. You must be tired now and want to get brushed up a little. I'll see about a room. Now oh, you needn't bother, Miss Newcomb. It might put you out some. Besides, what did Miss Brewster think? Oh, I can fix it all right. You leave it to me. She starts up centre, as if to show them upstairs. Lillian pauses centre. Aaron is left centre. Well, we might stay one night. Looks real stylish here, don't it? But I suppose you're getting used to it. No, I can't say I am. I can't hardly wait to get back to the farm. But come on and we'll see where you can sleep. I guess in the room right next to mine? Oh, that'll be fine. Aaron, where's that bundle? Aaron, taking package from chair where she had placed it. Here it is, dearie. Lillian, sniffing at his display of sentiment. Hm. Takes package. Here's a few things I brought you, Miss Newcomb. Just two or three of my fried cakes, a little bottle of that preserved watermelon rind you're so fond of, and two or three other little things. Sarah, taking package. Oh, Lily Ann, how good of you. My, but they'll taste good. I'm so tired of their fancy cooking here. Ah, and some of your fried cakes. Of course, they may be a little dry. And I got a dozen or so red apples for Lem Fillmore in my grip. Thought he might want to treat Miss Brewster. Is he still shining up to her? Aaron Flint, as if she'd have him. Not but what he's too good for her. And how is Lynn, Miss Newcomb? Oh, he's well. Bout played out, though, with the struggle to save my boy. But we'll do it. We will. I'd better show you your room now. She is about to lead the way upstairs when Helen enters right. She sees them, shows surprise. Why, if it isn't... 
Mr. and Mrs. Aaron Flint. What? Married? You too? Sure. Ain't two enough? Don't mind him, Miss Brewster. He ain't responsible. Yes, we're married and on our trip. Just called to see Miss Newcomb and she's kind enough to want us to stay all night, if it won't put you out. Helen, with a display of cordiality, shaking hands with them. Why, no, of course it won't. We have plenty of room. Please accept my congratulations. Thank you. I'm wishing you the same. I was just going to take him upstairs, Helen. I thought I'd put them in the room next to mine. I guess it'll be all right, won't it? Of course it will. But I'll call Hanson. Press his button. Ah, I guess he ain't much stuck on waiting on us if we'd be a newly married bridal couple on our wedding tower. Helen smiles good-naturedly. Lillian frowns at Aaron with an admonishing shake of the head. Oh, well, that's what we be, and I ain't ashamed of it. By the way, we brung something for you, Miss Brewster. Something for me? Yep, right from the farm. Some of them red apples. Leastwise, I brung them Fillmore some, and I reckon he'll be willing to divide them with you. Helen looks somewhat confused. Enter Henson, right? Henson, show Mr. and Mrs. Flint to the room next to Miss Newcomb's. Aaron has taken up grip, but now yields it to Henson, who handles it with extreme caution, as if fearing contamination. You needn't be afraid of it, Mr. Butler. It won't bite. Henson, in his stiffest manner, goes up the stairs carrying the suitcase. Aaron takes the umbrella, package, etc. He and Liliana following Henson upstairs, she preceding him. Part way up, Aaron turns and speaks. Hope you'll like the apples, Miss Brewster. Thought maybe they'd seem like old times, them red ones, you know. Thank you, you are very kind. Aaron Flint, you come up here. They ain't the same apples at all, Miss Brewster. They're all gone long ago, them summer ones. But these are red, and twice as sweet. Aaron, at top of stairs, as he is about to follow Lillian, who has made her exit. And not half so apt to give you the stomach ache. Exit Aaron. Helen, paying no attention to his remark, crosses to right centre. Sarah comes down to centre. You mustn't mind them, Helen. They mean all right. I hope you don't mind their coming. I was just as much surprised as you were. They never let me know a thing about it. Why should I care? I am glad if you are pleased to see them. Well, I don't know what Emil say. Henson comes downstairs. Exit right. She has no right to object. Isn't this practically your house now? Surely. Helen, you know I don't want you to feel that way. Don't you think with all we've got to bear we might be a little closer together? You and me, Helen? I'm your aunt. I want to see you happy, if only... I'm afraid there's not much happiness in store for me, Aunt Sarah. Even if you succeed in saving Dick, as you seem to think you can, you can't save me. Why, Helen, girl? What do you mean? You've given up that man, and now... Isn't there another one? Someone you really... There is no one else. I have sent for him. 
to ask his forgiveness for what I said to him. He is coming this afternoon. I am to be his. But Helen, you can't marry that man. Even if he still wants you, you mustn't. I can. I must. It is the only way. I have made up my mind. Well, I guess you're woman enough to change it, to make it up all over again. If you knew what that man is, what he has done... It would make no difference. She kindly but firmly puts Sarah aside and goes upright. There she meets Mrs. Brewster, who enters right up her entrance. Sarah goes towards Mrs. Brewster, speaks with vehemence. Helen pauses. M. Brewster, what kind of woman are you? What kind of mother? A woman that thinks of nothing but herself, of having a fine house to live in, grand clothes to put on her back and jewellery to hang around her neck and dangle in her ears. A mother who would sell her own daughter to get those things, sell her to a man who isn't fit to wipe a decent girl's shoes. Is that what you are? My sister? Then I'm ashamed of you. Sorry we had the same mother. Look what's come to your son, and now you want to bring your daughter to something worse. He's innocent, while you... You want to make this girl the property of a man who has... who... But you shan't do it. You shan't. Mrs. Brewster, who has stood apparently too dumbfounded to speak, or as if trying in vain to do so... How dare you talk to me like this? How dare you? Dare? Do you think I'm afraid of you? Of anything when it comes to this? No. What I'm afraid of is to trust you with your own child. And I'm going to save her from you, from her own mother. She has gone upright and now exits. Mrs. Brewster and Helen seemed too surprised to speak. Mrs. Brewster quivering with anger standing centre. Helen, who has gone to left centre, overcome with grief and shame, sinks into chair, covering her face with hands. I will not put up with it. I shall turn her out of the house, even if she is my sister. Perhaps it is she who can turn us out. Don't forget that. She with her paltry money. We'll see how far she can go. She shall leave this house. But wait, soon she may have no further claim upon us. <gasps> Helen, what do you mean? That you have reconsidered? That it is not too late. Helen, she has risen, stands center. It means that I have sent for him, that he is coming back. Mrs. Brewster, as if to caress her, but desisting as Helen draws away coldly. My daughter, my own darling child. No, please, let there be no false sentiment between us. I'm going to sacrifice myself. He is coming to gloat over me, over the woman who, after all, humbles herself at his feet. Let us understand each other, mother. Tell the truth, this once. Then I will seal it up in my heart forever and bear it all in silence. Helen, no. If you feel that way about it, I won't let you. Oh, you needn't upbraid yourself. I know what I am doing. It may mean that we can free Dick, too, hide our disgrace, 
Money can do anything like that. I needn't count. It doesn't matter that I shall be living a lie. I shall not be the first woman that has sold herself for money to a man she loathes when she loves another. Helen, you don't mean you can't. Not that you love... Helen turns to her in a sudden brief surrender to her real feelings. Yes, let me own it this once, though not to him. He shall never know, but I love him. I love him. I have from the very first, though I didn't realize it then. He is a man, a true noble man, worthy of my love, of any woman's love, but I, I am not worthy of his. She breaks down. Mrs. Brewster looks at her with some show of compassion, but still evidently rejoicing that she has gained her point. But that uncouth countryman? Helen, throwing off her real feelings, with a forced air of hardness and indifference, though still with a trace of deeper emotion. We will not speak of it any more, ever again. Remember, but you needn't fear, I shall keep my word. She is about to go upright, but suddenly pauses. Oh, by the way, I forgot. We have some guests. Guests? Yes, whom no doubt you will be overjoyed to see. Old friends of yours, Mr. and Mrs. Flint. F Flint? You cannot mean... Aaron and his blushing bride, Lillian, from the fair domain of the Newcomb Farm in Brookville. They are here on their wedding trip and have honored us with their presence for a brief sojourn. I must confess, I was quite pleased to see them. I shall not submit. How could Sarah presume to invite them here? She didn't. They took her by surprise also. But I shouldn't worry. Doubtless they will be sufficiently entertained without our assistance. The doorbell rings. Helen starts with a suppressed shudder. That may be. I cannot see him just yet. I will be in the library. Exit Helen right. Enter Henson right. Goes out left upper exit. Mrs. Brewster stands right centre with an expectant look, denoting triumph. After a pause, Henson shows in Leonard Fillmore. Exit Henson right. Mrs. Brewster, suddenly assuming a cold, distant manner. Good afternoon, Mr. Fillmore. You will pardon me. I was expecting a gentleman. Starts to go upright, disdaining him. He has entered expectantly with a cordial look, but wilts half-good-naturedly at her attitude. Oh, I see. Sorry if I don't fit the bill. Mrs. Brewster, realizing her rudeness, speaking a bit more cordially. Of course I meant another gentleman. Thanks. I feel better. But I called to see Miss Newcomb, if I may. I will have her informed that you are here. Exit Mrs. Brewster right. Leonard is down right centre by table. Does not notice Aaron and Lillian, who appear at top of stairs. They have tidied up. Aaron with hair shinily sleeked, etc. Lillian 
with change to brighter dress or shirtwaist, or with an added gay ribbon or something of the sort. They see Leonard steal down close to him, one on either side. How do you do? Leonard turns, sees them, almost overcome by surprise. What? Aaron! Lillian! Mr. and Mrs. Aaron Flint, if you please. Never! You don't mean... Sure thing. Ask my blushing bride. Yes, Lynn. That's us. Well, I'll be switched. You've put one over on us this time, and no mistake. Shake! Gives one hand to each. They shake most cordially. Wonders never cease. So, you gave in at last, Lillianne? Lan, Lan, I just had to. There wasn't no other ways I could see as ever getting to New York. I just had to come and see you and Miss Newcomb and find out everything. If you're going to save that boy and all, just couldn't stand it. And a little thing like having Aaron here for a husband didn't count. She's got me, though, and I'll keep even after we get back to the farm. Then my part will come in. I ain't worrying. Tell me, Lynn, how are you? What's the prospects and everything? I can't tell you now. I'm, I'm almost too overcome and so glad to see you that I can hardly talk. Hope you'll stay long enough for us to give you the best time anybody ever had. But just at present, I'm up to my neck in the job of my life. The trial comes off day after tomorrow and there's a lot to do before then. Oh, Lynn, you going to save him? Well, I can tell you this much. If I do, it will be owing to Miss Newcomb. To what she has done. That woman's a wonder. What she can't see through and figure out. Detective instinct, just like mine. <laughs> you couldn't detect a clue as big as an elephant unless it bit you. I ain't surprised at Miss Newcomb, though. All them mystery stories and such. I'm waiting to see her. It's most important. So, if you don't mind, will you just leave us alone for a few minutes? I I'm sorry, but you understand. Sure we do. We'll just snoop around a little and see what we can see. Come along, sweetie. Lillian, sniffing at his show of sentiment as she follows him to left second exit. <laughs> All right, Lynn. Maybe we'll find the kitchen so that I can see what kind of hired girl they got. I might get a few pointers on real style, so when you and your city bride come to Brookville on your wedding trip... Oh, come, Lilybud. I bet he'd rather have your cooking any day, wouldn't you, Len? You've said it, Aaron. But I ain't objecting to getting a sniff of what we're going to get here for supper. I'm as hungry as seven bears and a woodchuck. Exit Aaron, left second exit. So am I, to tell the truth. I don't see as being married spoils your appetite a bit, excepting for being married. Exit Lillian, left second exit. Leonard smiles, turns, and meets Sarah, who enters right. Oh, Len, here you are at last. I've been almost crazy waiting for you. Tell me, did you fix it? Will that woman be here? Yes. I had quite a time, but at last convinced Markham that it was of crucial importance. She has left the apartment, and at first he said we must come to headquarters where she is detained as a material witness, but finally he consented to bring her here. It looks like things were playing into our hands at last. Didn't I tell you they would? 
They're sure to come right in the end. Well, it's a good thing to hope, anyway. And as for hope, do you think there's any? I mean, do you think? Sure there is, Len. But you've got to fight for that, too. It's her mother. If it wasn't for her... Why? What has she done now? I hate to tell you, Len. But the truth is, Helen has sent for that man to come back, to take back what she said to him, to tell him she'll be his. But how can she, when she knows? You mustn't let her. Assert your rights. She thinks she must sacrifice herself. But do you mean to stand back and let that man have her? Huh? I'd grab her up and carry her off by main force first. Hmm, <laughs> caveman stuff. A good idea. Well, I don't know about any cave part, but I guess you're just a man that could do it, once you got your spunk up. But tell me, I'm dying to know, how is Dick bearing up? Like a man. He has new courage, thanks to you. We can't fail now. We mustn't. But I guess it's still up to you, Miss Newcomb. The woman sticks to her story, hasn't budged an inch. The police believe her, and if you can't shake her, I don't know who or what can. She's a pretty slick one. All I want is one more chance at her. What we found out in the past three weeks may be a little surprise for her, and a few others. It takes a woman to see through a woman, and I began to see through that one in just about two minutes. That French accent didn't sound quite like the real thing to me, little as I know about it. She slipped back into plain American without noticing it, once or twice, and I noticed what none of you men did, that her eyes don't match that black hair, and that that hair has been dyed. And she was a little too ready to explain things, like she'd thought them out beforehand. And those two keys! Two keys that fit the same lock don't have different nicks to em. My fingers soon told me that. The doorbell rings. Ah, there's the bell again. I guess that's about the busiest little doorbell in New York lately. Henson is earning his wages for once, and I mean to see that he gets them. Enter Henson right. Henson, whoever that is, keep him out there in the hall till you let us know who it is. Exit Henson, left upper exit. There is a slight pause. Sarah goes up and looks off, left upper exit. It's them. Then I'll vanish for the present. Now's your chance. Err, I sort of dread it after all. Exit Leonard, left second exit. Sarah is going right centre as Markham enters left upper exit. He comes down, looking somewhat puzzled and not altogether pleased. Good afternoon, Mr Markham. Well, I've brought the woman. What are you going to do about it? Talk to her a few minutes, if you'll let me. I don't see what for. That woman's talked and been talked to till there's nothing more to be said. Don't you suppose we got everything out of her she's got to tell? All she's got to tell you, maybe, but not all she's got to tell, if I can make her tell it. Markham, sneering with a sarcastic laugh. Queer kind of business, this, anyway, and sort of irregular. But Fillmore told me it was for something that couldn't be done in any other way, and I don't want to be contrary. I suppose it's all right. It's only fair to give you your chance, I suppose. Though I must say I don't see what you think you're going to do. 
what I am going to do first, Mr. Markham, is to ask you to leave me alone with her. I don't see any objection to that. But of course I'll have to stick around. I want you to. Indicating left second exit. In that room. I want you to hear every word that is said and act accordingly. That's satisfactory. She's out in the hall there. I told her to wait. Oh, Higgins is outside. I told him to trail along and keep his eyes peeled. Going to left second exit. In here? Yes, you'll find Mr. Fillmore in there. He understands. Well, that's more than I do. But I'll chance it. Exit Markham, left second exit. Sarah stands a moment as if to gain courage. Then goes and looks off, left upper exit. She makes a slight motion. Henson appears in left upper entrance. Bring the woman in here, Henson. Exit Henson. He reappears, shows in Delphine, and again exits. Delphine appears in left upper entrance, pauses, looks about curiously, with a manner denoting some suspicion. She wears a long black veil over her hat, which she now throws back. Sarah, having withdrawn to right centre, stands watching her. Delphine comes down, turns, sees Sarah, starts. So, it is you, madame. Won't you sit down? Delphine, she does not sit as yet. But why am I brought here? I do not understand. I was not told that it was to see you. What house is this? Why do I come here? Well, you see, I thought you must think it kind of funny the way I left you so suddenly that day. And I haven't been feeling very well lately, so I... I thought it would be real kind of you to come and see me, so I could apologize for carrying off your keys the way I did. You see, I was so excited after what I'd been through that I really didn't know what I was doing. I guess you understand. Oh, oui, certainement, madame. But to come here, it is strange. However, I am here. Yes, and do sit down. Might as well be comfortable. I hear you're not staying at that flat any more. No, it was so, as you said, gloomy, lonesome. And the thought of poor Miss Nevers. Oh, it is too much. But I must not go away. They detain me as a witness. Oh, it is so terrible. I must tell it all, in court. I don't wonder you dread it. But think of me and my boy. It is too bad. I sympathize, but I must tell all. Yes, you must tell. All. Aren't there a few things you haven't told, yet? I do not understand. Does Madame intend to insinuate? No. That's a good, plain English word. Insinuate. And you didn't say it a bit Frenchy. But I wasn't insinuating. I'm just asking. Couldn't you tell a few more things, if you would? Madame, what is it that you mean? Oh, I wish you wouldn't keep calling me Madame. What I meant was, maybe you could help me a little as to why those two keys were different when you say they were for the same lock. Then I mistake. It does not matter. We have many keys. But those two were enough for me. 
They proved a pretty good fit to what I was trying to open. One fit the front door to your apartment, the other the back door to the kitchen, et, or whatever they call it. But of course, there must be a key to that door also. Of course. Or how could you, after you came up in the elevator that day, have slipped around first to that back door, gone into the kitchen, through the dining room, into that other room, and then... Delphine, becoming alarmed, but making a good effort to conceal her growing suspicion and fear. What do you mean? I came in the front door, directly to the room where Miss Nevan lay dead, shot by your nephew... Direct from the hall I entered, after getting off the elevator. So you said. But it happens I didn't quite see it that way. So I found out which elevator boy brought you up. He remembers very well. You say you got off the elevator just as the shot was fired. You didn't. He let you off at the fourth floor, went on up to the tenth, and it was when he got back to the fourth floor that the gun was fired. He heard it. You had been off the elevator for five minutes or more. Delphine, who has sprung up, beginning to lose control of herself. It is not true. He lies. Lies, I say. You had plenty of time to go around to the other door, look in to see who was there, see your chance of having your revenge with somebody else to be suspected of your deed, fire the shot, go back, come in... And... Delphine, in a furious rage. How dare you say such things? Accuse me of such an infamous act. It is an outrage. So that is why you have had me brought here. To insult me. To accuse me of killing my dear mistress, who was all kindness to me, whom I loved. Oh, it is infamous. You shall pay for this. You will see. You will see. I see that you talk United States much better than you put on a French accent, for all you are a very clever actress, Miss Bateman. What? What do you mean? My name is... Eliza Bateman. Of course it is. Your real name. Quite a well-known actress, too, and a pretty good one. French maids are quite a speciality of yours, and so your impersonation came in very handy when you went and hired out to Miss Navarre, even she didn't see through your neat disguise and your assumed accent. It happens I did, though. I was sort of looking, too. That was the difference. Lies. Lies. I see you lie. It is all lies. An infamous, vile plot. I will not stay here. She is about to leave, but Sarah bars her way, so determinedly that she is compelled to stay, though fuming with rage and illy disguised fear. You see, I haven't been losing any time. Me and that plain country lawyer, the smart New York lawyers and great detectives have made so much fun of. We have done a little detective work on our own hooks, and found out a few things. About you, Miss Bateman. I know not that name. It is false. You mean Delphine is... About that pistol, too. It was Miss Navarre's. She kept it there. You knew where it was. In that room. It was easy enough for you to get in, the way you did. Shoot over Dick Brewster's shoulder, slip out, and... Be still, be still, I say. I will not listen. 
It is false. I did not do it. No, no. You lie. You lie. It is the truth. You say I killed my mistress, Miss Navarre. No, no, it was not she. I... She stopped suddenly, confused, trying to cover her mistake. I mean, I could not. She who was so good to me. How can you say? Sarah, going close to her, looking straight into her face and speaking very deliberately and distinctly. A woman seldom hits what she aims at. You didn't. What do you mean? I... There was a man in that room also. I know, yes, but to me he was a stranger. Maybe a woman has the right to kill the man who has wronged her, the man who has promised to marry her and then thrown her over for another. Maybe she has a right to put on a disguise so she can follow him and prove just how false he is to her. I don't know. Maybe there is some excuse for a woman doing that. There may be some for you. You didn't mean to kill Miss Navarre. I believe that. But you meant to kill him. It was him you shot at. And you killed her. No, no. You shall not say that. It is not true. I did not know him. I never saw him before. The doorbell rings. Sarah goes to left upper entrance, looks off. After a slight pause, enter Ralph Deering. He comes partway down centre, stops as he sees Delphine, surprised but not recognising her. I beg pardon. I did not know. Mr. Deering, permit me to introduce Miss Eliza Bateman. Deering, too much taken aback to conceal his amazement. Eliza, you, what does this mean? So, you recognise her? Why, yes, I... I do now, though she is not the same. I never thought. Of course you didn't. How could you? A blonde turned into a brunette? Deering looks dumbfounded, but recognises Delphine, who is unable longer to conceal her identity. She still tries desperately to brazen it out, however. This gentleman is a stranger to me. You will excuse... She starts to go left upper exit, but Deering steps in her way, so she is compelled to remain. Wait. I begin to understand. A very clever disguise, my girl. It's no wonder I didn't recognize you. So, you were tracking me down. Seeking revenge, eh? I see. It was you who fired that shot. At me. It is not true. It's a lie. A lie, I say. Let me pass. Not so fast. I guess your little game is up, Miss Bateman. It didn't work, did it? And she took my place. Delphine, at first seeming about to attempt to brazen it out, then, as Daring continues looking steadily at her, showing fright, which turns to despair and desperation. It's no use. I see now. It's true. True. I can deny it no longer. Yes, it was you. You, who made love to me, led me on, till I gave all. All. 
and then deserted me for another. It drove me mad. I was alone, outcast, all because of you, and I resolved to have revenge. But it was not to kill you. No, no, not that. But that day, when I saw you with her, heard what you said, I was mad. Mad. And in that one moment of desperation, I tried to end it all. The pistol was there, where she kept it, and he, the boy, he was there. I fired. At you. Almost before I knew what I was doing. I didn't know. I was mad. Insane, I say. But I fired at you. I thought. But I killed her. The one who had been kind to me. Whom I loved. Oh, it was terrible. Take me away. I don't care now what becomes of me. You are not fit to live. But I didn't mean to be a... What you say I am. No. No. She breaks down, sobbing hysterically. Markham, who has entered second left entrance, goes to her, taking hold of her, not ungently. Leave her to me. I'll look after her. Helen has entered right in time to hear part of the foregoing, unnoticed by the others. Markham supports Delphine and takes her up left. He pauses as Sarah goes up, speaking to him. What will they do with her? Do you think... No, not so bad. Manslaughter. Temporary insanity, perhaps. Oh, I'm glad. Perhaps she had some excuse. She turns, looks accusingly, scornfully at Deering, who has a defiant attitude, paying no attention to her. And as to that other, your boy, ma'am, why, this changes things. You think now that, that he, that Dick... Well, you and Fillmore might come down to headquarters as soon as you can. It'll be all right for the boy now. He goes out, left upper exit with Delphine, who is still sobbing and moaning, though more quietly than before. Deering follows them, after one look at Helen, whom he has discovered standing upright. She freezes him with a contemptuous glance. He shrugs his shoulders and exits left upper exit. Sarah stands left centre, looking after them, her hands clasped, almost weeping, but with a rapt, joyful expression. After a slight pause, she turns, sees Helen, who is still standing right, pale and motionless staring straight ahead as if dazed. Sarah, going to Helen, taking hold of her gently. Helen, you have heard. You understand. He is the man who... who... Yes, Helen, the one who was there that night. The man who, for revenge on you, told the police that it was Dick. Oh, Helen, did you need this to show you what he is? No. But this ends it. It was ended before, dear. Only you wouldn't believe it. Aren't you glad? Thankful? It means that Dick will be free, that you... Yes, and you have saved him. 
saved me. Oh, Aunt Sarah, can you ever forgive us? Forgive me? There, there, my dear. There's nothing to forgive. Not a thing. Helen is weeping. Sarah, with an arm about her, leads her upright, but pauses as Leonard enters left second entrance. He pauses left. Sarah sees him, leaves Helen, and goes to him, holding out both hands, which he takes. Oh, Len, isn't it wonderful? Wonderful? Yes, it is all wonderful, and you are the most wonderful of all. I declare you're a regular Miss Sherlock Holmes. Helen, at Leonard's entrance, gives him one glance, her face showing deep emotion, indicating that she dare not trust herself to speak to him. She exits right. Pshaw, I haven't done anything. At any rate, if I have, I've had pretty good help. And now I'm going to... to him, and you're going with me. Yes, but... Looking right, longingly. Sarah, looking round. Oh, I see. She's run away. Wait. Going right. And don't forget what I told you, Len, about... Oh, I don't think that will be necessary now, that cave stuff. I have something better than that. Look, what Aaron gave me. Takes a red apple from his pocket, holds it up. I don't think she'll be able to resist that. Do you? No, not when you go with it. Exit Sarah right, looking back at him with an encouraging smile. He goes over to left centre, stands there waiting, looking eagerly towards right, the hand in which is the apple behind him. After a slight pause, enter Sarah, right, leading Helen, who comes timidly looking down. Sarah urges her on to centre. Helen? She looks up at him, then her glance again falls, and she turns as if to go, but Sarah holds her, pushing her gently towards Leonard. Helen yields slowly. Leonard advances a step, holds out the apple, smiling, with an adoring look at her. Look, from the old orchard, our Eden, will you share it with me? She falters, looking down, then up again, meeting his gaze with a tender smile. Yields. He takes her in his arms, puts apple to her lips, kisses it where her lips were, then kisses her. Sarah, her face radiant, has gone upright, and exits quietly, just as the curtain falls. Curtain. End of Act Four. End of Alias Miss Sherlock by Arthur Lewis Tubbs.